When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our Hellas Verona review episode, but before we get started... I am happy to announce that we have partnered with BetStamp, which is the world's first verified buy-sell marketplace for sports betting picks. I'll tell you a little bit more about the app in part two, but to celebrate the partnership, we are going to give away a brand new 2022-23 Napoli shirt of your choice. So keep an eye on our social media pages to find out how to enter a draw for that. All right, so let's get to the Hellas Verona match, and I'm joined by a guest to help me with the review. He is the founder of the Napoli Club DC, Sean Sullivan. How are you? Thank you, Joe. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, the pleasure is mine. I'm I'm sure you're probably feeling pretty good since we got a, a nice victory on the weekend. I mean, it's amazing what a difference a win makes just even in our personal lives. <laughs> uh, it really sets the trajectory of the week off on different levels. So totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I see people online posting about how they're going to the gym. They're happy. It's sunny right. Outside. <laughs> right. Right. It's like the weather's all nice all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's the exact opposite when we lose everything. Oh, of course. Down, everything sucks. It's raining. Of course. Right. Of course. The, <laughs> so, the world's coming to an end. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is the life of an Apple fan. Let's go. I guess any sports fan, really. Um, so, like I said, we won the match five to two on goals from five different goal scorers: Kavicha, Vatskhelia, Victor Osimhen, Piotr Zielinski, Stanislav Lobotka, and Matteo Politano scored for us. Kevin Lasagna and Thomas Henry scored the goals for Hellas Verona. Let's start with just some general thoughts on the match. Obviously, there's been a lot of turnover this summer. We've lost some important players on and off the pitch. 
we brought in a bunch of highly rated but relatively unknown players, which I think is why most pundits have picked Napoli to finish outside of the top four. But Sean, despite all the change, it seemed like we didn't really miss a beat. Exactly. Seemed like everybody was out there ready to go. Everybody seemed to be gelling together, ready to, even though it was the first match, you could kind of tell that the group was in sync and seemed to be ready to gel together. And it was really nice to see. And we all know what Verona went through over the summer with them losing a lot of pieces. But also besides that, I think it really proves how at an early level, how in sync this team really can be given all the new pieces that we have. Yeah. Patrick Kendrick called the game on the English world feed and After the Zielinski goal, he said, it's a brilliant Napoli goal, new personnel, same old Napoli. That was vintage from Spalletti's side. And there was no denying that this is a Spalletti team. We saw some beautiful passages of play. Of course, the Zielinski and the Politano goals stand out there, but there were a couple of other nice plays as well. I mean, the Osimhen chance in the 11th minute started with Kim winning the ball on our end. He passed to Mario Rui. He played the ball down the line to Cavada. Quick touch to Zielinski and we break out of the back. And then there was a similar sequence on the Zerbin chance in the dying mm-hmm. minute of the match. And that started with a few passes on our own corner. Quick one touches. It, it was really similar to what we used to do under Maurizio Sarri, actually. Sure. Very nice to see as well. Now, when Patrick said same old Napoli, he was referring to the positives, the quick passing, the beautiful football. You could also use the same expression, I think, for some of the negatives, at least in the first sure. half hour or so. Sure. Um, I actually had it in my notes. I, I do. I post my first half thoughts on Twitter for most mm-hmm. matches. And one of the notes I had was same old Napoli for the wrong reasons, because right. I had something like 80% of the ball. We wasted chance after chance. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Verona gets one chance and they take it. You know, at that point, were you worried that this might have become another sort of Spezia or Empoli match? I was definitely a little worried, especially given the fact that we showed the same old Napoli in the sense of our poor corner defending. It seemed to be off the get-go right away, especially from... That first lasagna goal, especially. I don't want to single out Rui, of course, but I think he really kind of fell into like a little trap there. And and I don't really think you can blame Meret for, for that goal. I just think that it was a classic instance of us not, not having strong corner defending. So I, I wasn't worried in the sense of that we would lose. I was more concerned that it would end in a draw, especially when it was 2-2 and Victor seemed like he was just too, a little bit too antsy on the attack, maybe taking a little bit too many touches there or just trying to seem like he was, we all know how he, how he can be. He always gets seemed to get a little antsy and excited and he always takes one too many touches, but my worries quickly faded, especially after that Zielinski goal. That very, it really reminded me of like that Saudi ball, free flowing, open play, just greatness on the wing from Kavara, that genius pass to, to Zielinski. That was really something special and something we really haven't seen in, in a little bit. So that was exciting for me. Okay, so I think you were a little bit calmer than I was. I mean, I'm generally a calm person, but I was feeling pretty nervous after. Try to be try to be positive for sure. I mean, it's not, you know, being a Napoli fan, of course, we all know that <laughs> we take things with a grain of salt, especially when when the game turns, but 
what was noticeable for me, especially was the energy that was there that was constant. And I think we really responded well to every every instance of Verona trying to make a comeback or make an attempt of an attack. And I think especially after the Henri goal and I think it was the 40, 49th minute, I think that was. And just that quick response from Zielinski there with the 55th or 56th, even we maintained control throughout the rest of the game from then on. I really think that was like a real flick of the switch that moment there from that Zielo goal. After that first goal, I did say to myself, oh my God, here we go again. Right. But uh, thankfully, Cavada scored not too long after that, which, mm-hmm. you know, gave me a bit more hope. It's, it's a lot easier, obviously. Even going, really? I would have been content going into the break tied at one, and then we got mm-hmm. back to that angle, so and, that made me feel uh, even better. Exactly, and yeah. just definitely really impressed with the way Chucky played there and in that instance. I really think him and him and Kavara were, were in sync in that moment, and I think even Kavara could tell that he was going to make that pass in from the right there, and it was just a very, just a very in sync moment, and just another another instance of us responding very well to Verona, like I said, any attempt of their attack with the depleted side that they have now. I know you said for after Zelensky scored, then you felt pretty confident. I was still kind of nervous. Like I didn't feel that much better until we got that fourth goal. You know, and then I, I think it was just that Verona, to your point, didn't mm-hmm. have the depth to compete with us. I mean, right. they brought in some quality players. I mean, Picoli, Barak, Juric, they're all good players. Yep. But I didn't think they really had anyone in the midfield that can get the ball up to those forwards at top. And then we were just completely dominating midfield. I mean, we'll come no. to Mocha a little bit later. Right. Last question before we move on to some of those individual performances. And Obviously, it's great that we scored five goals. You know, it's in a hostile environment, especially for us. There's a big rivalry. Always, always. But as you mentioned, Hellas Verona have sold a lot of key players. Casale went to Lazio, Caprari mm-hmm. went to Monza, Simeone is on his way to Napoli. They could still sell Barak, Tameze. Did we win this match because we were good, or could it be that we won this match because Hellas Verona were really bad? I think it was more so that we performed better as a unit than they did. And you could argue that that was because of their depleted side. But I also think that us as a whole were really more, as the game went on, I think we responded more as a team whole, as a, as a, as a full 11, and rather than just trying to, besides that one Illich corner that Henri scored off the header, you never saw Verona really have any feasible attempt at an offense or at an in-sync attack, if you want to say. So I think it was the fact that we obviously are a better side than them. And I think also it was the first game and, and we know how what a rivalry it is and how hostile of an environment it is for us to play in. And the fact that we responded so well to those two goals and kind of controlled the match from the 60th minute on, I think that was a testament to both the new contributors kind of getting their feet wet and kind of getting their ground and and their attitude on the pitch on a playing level. And also, I just think we were just a more confident and overall better balanced side. So I would have to, I would argue that it was because we were better, not because Verona are a poor team. I just think we have this potential now to really carry this momentum moving forward. And I know it's week one, long journey ahead, but really taking positive vibes from how we responded as a whole on Monday. 
I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, you look at the goals. It's not like we got lucky bounces or no. giveaways in dangerous areas. We right. passed the ball around them. And sure, maybe the defending wasn't great, but I tend to agree. And I like the fact that maybe it was because we were so dominant, but I didn't see any nerves, any kind of tension after we conceded. Right. We, we maintained you know, our focus. We were very calm. Mm-hmm. It was as if they knew us. If we just keep playing the way we're playing, more goals will come and we'll win this match. Right. I, you mentioned some of the new contributors. So let's move on to some individual performances. And I want to sure. start with a couple of those debutants in mm-hmm. Kavada and mm-hmm. Kim. Kavada caught the attention of, I guess you could say, fans of other Serie A clubs with his performance. Sure. You know, those of us who have watched Napoli in the preseason already had a pretty good sense of what he's capable of. But I think even we had maybe a little bit of doubt in the back of our minds, given that he's never played in Serie A. He's new to the league. But Sean, right. judging from his performance on Monday, it seems like Kavada is the real deal. I felt like I was I was getting glimpses of Hansik. Just the way he commands his touch and the way his vision offensively and in the box, his his forward presence, just we haven't had that wing attack in a long time. And I think it's really something that, I, that I'm excited about. And I think it's really something that we can build off of moving forward, especially with Simeone coming in and, and other pieces like that kind of building around there. So he... He is the real deal. I'm fully convinced of it and really excited for other soccer, football fans, Calcio fans to appreciate the special talent that he is. And because he's, he's only 20 years old and I think he only just recently turned 20 as well. And he just seems like a very overall humble, uh, humble kid. And I'm just really excited what he's can contribute for us and what he represents for us moving forward. It was hard for me to sleep Monday night. I was so excited. Just, I was still buzzing from his presence and the reception that he got like we haven't had so nice for us to have finally someone that we can quote unquote rally around or someone that makes people attracted to our games because that's really exciting and it's really something that I'm looking forward to and I've already started talking about him with my Premier League friends and you know just what a special talent he is and what a gem we have another another ADL diamond in the rough if you say so <laughs> yeah he's uh, you can tell them in 3 or 4 years they'll be buying him for a <laughs> not there yet let's not there yet <laughs> yeah i mean i guess you could say there was you know i agree i was buzzing i think a lot of napoli fans are buzzing after this match I think Victor is a player that we all got excited about as well, but maybe some of that energy died down a little bit because he's missed so much time with injury. Right. But other than Victor, I think you're you're right. And and that's sort of the flip side. You know, everyone is, you know, rightfully upset to see Koulibaly and Mertens and Insignia go because they're right. such important players. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, maybe it was time for a bit of that refresh and some new young blood as you as you noted you know 20 21 years old whatever it is i think it'll be interesting to see how this season plays on for cavada because right now no one really knows who he is so he has a bit of an advantage but seria coaches and seria defenders are very astute and i think they're going to study him and they're going to come up with ways to try to shut him down sure and then he'll have to adapt and try to find ways to continue to give defenders a hard time. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't even think we saw the best of Cavada in this match. And I think Spalletti has been kind of suggesting this as well, that this kid, we're just 
scratching the surface with him and we haven't unlocked his full potential yet which is typically the case for someone that young Um, i don't know if it was nerves or maybe just the bounces weren't going his way but his dribble as good as it is and as quick as his feet are didn't actually work that well i think he, he attempted six dribbles and only completed one and especially early in the match, it seemed like he was struggling yeah. to get past players, but he right. did settle down and obviously he got the goal and he got the assist. Mm-hmm. Now, it's way too early to tell, but and this maybe will come off as a bit of a hot take, but I think Cavada could potentially offer more than a 31-year-old Insignia did. And I'm very careful to specify 31-year-old because I don't want to get into a debate about, you know, who's the better player and do you start comparing them in their primes and all this other stuff. Sure. Um, but just looking at where they are at in their careers today, mm-hmm. I think you can make an argument that Cavada offers more. And we saw that on that first goal, right? Like right. a... 1.6 meter 31 year old Insignia is not going to be able to attack that ball and head it in the way a 1.83 meter Cavada 21 year old can. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another thing to be exciting about that. I definitely think that Insignia could have made that pass as, as great as that pass was on the assist. Yeah. That probably is something Insignia could do, but you're absolutely right that we should be excited about this kid. I know Georgians are, I mean, they're taking it to another level with the oh, whole yes. Donut thing. Right, of course. <laughs> I don't know if we want right. to be that much. Right. It, just, it was just nice to see that. Just nice to see our offensive presence kind of built around the wings again. And it would, uh, that was something that I think last year, especially we, we didn't see. So that was kind of another thing that I was excited about kind of finally seeing goals stemming off of excellent and smart tactical play from wingers, namely uh, Kavara and, and Lozano. I thought Chucky was was really great. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. That was a, definitely a big takeaway from this match that mm-hmm. the wing play was much improved from last season. By the way, if anyone's wondering about the celebration that Kavara did, that was his version of Steph Curry's sort of night night pose. <laughs> right. Um, right. If you want to learn a little bit more about that, head over to Fortsanopolypress.com. Apparently he's a big Steph Curry fan, so I think that was a little yeah. ode to one of his uh idols, I guess you could say. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a, a lot of I mean basketball is huge in Europe these yeah, days. Yeah, I think he said and I think in the interview that he did on on our YouTube channel, I think he said that he was a basketball and tennis fan. So yeah. um makes sense. And I know yeah. I saw some I don't know where I saw the video, but it was him playing basketball and I swear he was just knocking down threes like Stephen. So sure. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, and he, he he even had the uh like the classic wrist tape thing too going on like you see that in the nba sometimes and even more so in soccer so he's coming into his own there with his little celebration love it (laughs) yeah exactly i think one other thing going back to the point about insignia where they're a little bit different is that i think kavada is also a little bit less predictable than insignia is Mm -hmm. than he became i mean with insignia you knew he was going to cut to his right and go for the tirajiro and i mean if he did it properly it didn't matter if he knew he was going to do that or not Mm -hmm. whereas Cavada seems like he can go either way. Like we saw that in this match where sometimes he will cut to his right and go for that curling shot. 
But at other times he'll fake it and then cut back to his left and shoot with his left. And he seems to be able to shoot well with both feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, all in all, I think excellent debut for Cavada. One goal, one assist in 68 minutes of action. The other player that made his debut was Kim Min Jae. He has some massive shoes to fill at center back and, it probably didn't help that Koulibaly went and scored an absolute banger for Chelsea <laughs> against Tottenham on Sunday. Right, and the, yeah. the pressure was unknowingly on because he was watching as well. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. He was watching the game. So uh, Bruno de Noy. <laughs> Yeah. How do you think Kim held up in this one? Another piece I'm, I'm excited about, I thought his presence was very strong. Just even start off the game that one deflecting header pass he had back to Rui to kind of end that lasagna approach there. I thought that was really, really strong. I'm very impressed. Very, I think he has a strong commanding presence in the back line. Very strong overall presence. Kind of even, even he's fast. I didn't expect him to be as fast as he was. That one run where he kind of cut up there, that was really impressive. Again, kind of showing a little bit of a, definitely not on the Koulibaly level, of course, but kind of showing those glimpses of that versatility that we had with the cornerback in Koulibaly. He's anchoring the defensive line, but also kind of showing those quick moments of offensive flash and, and those quick cuts up the left or, or, or the right even and kind of just creating those those little quick passes in those right spots moving forward. So again, really impressed there. Yeah, when we did our player profile on Kim with Yit from Fenerbahce News UK, he talked about Kim's pace and his ball control. Mm. We got a glimpse of both of those traits. I mean, he mentioned that play was lasagna that looked like he got behind the back line. Right. And then Kim just flies back mm, there. Crazy. Wins the ball back with relative ease, too. Like, it, it seemed like he was pretty unfazed. Yes. Um, and Spalletti said it in the post-match conference that he's obviously not Koulibaly, but he showed that he has some similar traits to Koulibaly. You know, he's very calm. He's very composed. He can carry the ball forward. We saw that as well, where we had a chance where he ran past three or four defenders into the, into the Hellas Verona area. I mean, a center back up there. Right. I thought, I thought, I thought he might take a shot, honestly. Yeah. And, and again, you know, Koulibaly used to do that occasionally, but Mm -hmm. I don't recall him getting that deep. And then, you know, he passed to Lozano. I think his shot was blocked and then it fell to Zielinski and he got a decent shot with his left that was stopped by Montipo. So there are signs there. And again, Spalletti said when, when he joins the attack like that, it gives you a numerical advantage. I mean, how do you plan for a center back attacking? These days, that seems to be, we're starting to see defenders. I mean, fullbacks are practically attacking players these days, but even center backs now getting forward, uh, getting yeah. forward more. Sure. So perhaps Kim didn't stand out as much as Cavada did, which I mean, it's hard to do for a defender anyway. Sure. Still, I thought his uh, overall, his, his coolness of presence and his relative ease of commanding that, anchoring that left side with Rui, I thought was equally as impressive in, in his role. And we couldn't really ask for more in his debut, I thought. Exactly. I thought he was very, very good. Right. Okay. That will do for part one. In part two, we'll talk about some other standout performances. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to part two of the Fort Sinopoli podcast. Before we continue, let me tell you a little bit more about the BetStamp app. For those of you who enjoy betting on sports, BetStamp provides a convenient place to find the best available odds across multiple sportsbooks. Really, the only way to get an edge in online sports betting is by having multiple accounts at various different sportsbooks. So how does it work? First, you download the BetStamp app and enter referral code NAPOLI. That will automatically find affiliate sports books in your region. You link those books to the app, which literally took me a few seconds to do. And just like that, you have access to all the betting lines in one place. So how does that give you an edge? Let me give you a quick example to explain. Let's say I want to bet on Napoli to beat Monza on Sunday, who we know are going to be big favorites at home. So I open the BetStamp app and it tells me that the best available odds are minus 244 at CoolBet. In other words, I'd have to risk $244 to win $100. By comparison, the odds for the exact same game at DraftKings are minus 295, meaning I'd have to risk $295 to win 100 So in other words, just by taking a few seconds to check the BetStamp app, I saved myself about $50. Another cool feature of the app is the marketplace, which allows you to buy and sell sports picks from verified accounts with full transparency. And best of all, the app is entirely free. There are no fees, no commissions, or no royalties. All you have to do is download the app and enter referral code NAPOLI. All right, so let's get back to the Hellas Verona match. There were quite a few standout performers in this one, so I want to talk about just a couple of them. The man that everyone was talking about after this match, and rightfully so, was Stanislav Lobotka. Sean, it seems like he's just getting better and better. World-class player. Really is a shame that he doesn't get more recognition that that he deserves. He just is... Spalletti rightly said he thought he was looking at Iniesta the way he was commanding that CAM role. It was really, really special. He's our Lobo cop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I joked with some people that he's our Lobo Donna now, which just because that run was certainly uh, heavenly like. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it took him 64 appearances to score his first goal for Napoli. That was in the penultimate match of last season against Genoa, which was Insignia's final home game. It was actually a similar goal that he scored in mm-hmm. this one in the sense that he, you know, he ran straight through the middle of the park and then picked the bottom corner. Right. So he's already matched his goal total from last season. Um, <laughs> On this goal, the run was a bit shorter, and he placed the ball into the bottom corner. I think in the Genoa match, he put a bit more power behind it. It was from mm-hmm. a bit further out. Credit to Mario Rui and Victor Osiman on this play as well. I think Mario Rui did really well to disguise his pass. It was a bit of a no-look pass into the middle there. And then Osiman's run to the left pulled Corey Gunther mm-hmm. just enough out of position to open up the shooting lane for Lobotka, and, and he it used the- it. The perfect fake. It was the perfect fake yeah. from Victor, for sure. Exactly. 
But, you know, it wasn't just the goal. I mean, according to FB ref, Lobotka completed 53 out of 54 passes, which is a pass completion rate of 98.1%, which is just a ridiculous percentage for a midfielder. I mean, you see some of those high pass completion rates for defenders because they tend to play a lot of passes that are not that complicated, a lot of side-to-side stuff. Mm-hmm. But for midfielders, I, I think that's a, a ridiculous pass percentage. And then finally, Lobotka was the player who caused the turnover in the midfield that started the attack on the Politano goal. So, yeah, this was just an outstanding performance from him. Definitely, he was my beast of the match or man of the match for sure. I thought he was very, again, showed his level of finesse in that CAM role and just the way he commands that overall attack stemming from whether it's you know quick passes or it's you know those quick cut up runs that he tends to do and and he has a he has a surprisingly accurate shot for a midfielder which kind of lends itself to his technical expertise or his overall level of command or or finesse if you want to say so at least for me that's what really kind of stood out from another point on monday as well I mean, you talk about his command of the ball. We're seeing, I guess, because his confidence is so high right now that he can seemingly control the ball from anywhere, from any height. It's just the ball just dies right in front of him. I think one thing that's overlooked a little bit about his play is is his movement off the ball because Mm -hmm. playing in that Regista position, you can't build out of the back without that player. And the movement is so smooth that you almost don't even realize that he's doing it, but he's just always in the right position. And that is so key for building out of the back. And I don't think right now there's a better player in that position in the whole league, which, you know, a couple of years ago, probably none of us, I mean, we were all saying he's fat and we need to sell him. Right. (laughs) I I thought he was going to leave, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, thankfully he didn't, but you know, that sometimes certain players just, develop better and play better under different coaches. I mean, I'm not blaming Gattuso necessarily because Diego Dema played really well under Gattuso. So it's maybe, you know, chemistry with the coach. Right. Let's move on to the attack. I thought our front three were all excellent. We already talked about Cavada, but this can be a very scary looking attack with Cavada, Osiman, and Lozano, especially once they develop better chemistry together. Mm-hmm. I include Lozano there because he hasn't really been afforded consistent playing time. And I, I think he can still improve his chemistry with certainly with Osiman and then obviously with Cavada because he's new. Right. Perhaps just knowing that he's probably going to be a regular starter has already given him more confidence because Sean, I thought. Lozano was really good in this match, especially in the first half. Really showed flashes of that brilliance that we've all kind of uh, hoped to see. We have hasn't really played out. Like you said, he hasn't really gotten consistent playing time, especially last year. But I think now, or I think this year, he has the potential to fully develop in that winger role for us under Spalletti, especially developing that relationship with Osimhen and and Kavara, really the potential there for that dangerous front three, really, you know, kind of going back to that earlier point of kind of our offensive kind of building around the wings that we used to have with Insigne, Callejon, kind of we're going, kind of maybe marching towards that uh, again a little bit, which is exciting to see. 
Absolutely. I thought the exact same thing. And we <laughs> saw that a little bit in the preseason as well. Right. Who scored.com went so far as to put Lozano in their team of the week. I think the injury to Federico Cecherini was really costly for Hellas Verona. Bruno Amione really struggled to keep up with Lozano. He drew three fouls on Amione, who was yeah. cautioned, and then he was replaced by Panagiotis Restos in the second half. Lozano also got the best of Amione in the 11th minute and probably should have gotten an assist, but unfortunately, Osman kind of whiffed on the shot there. And that play started with a long ball from Di Lorenzo down the line. And during the preseason, I noted that Lozano and Di Lorenzo seem to be linking up really well. And I feel like they confirmed that in this match. Cavada had a chance in the 18th minute after Di Lorenzo played a throw into Lozano inside the area. And he just got to the ball in time before it went out of play and cut it back and just sort of put the ball into a dangerous area. And it ended up at Cavada's feet at the edge of the area. I also thought he played some really nice crosses into the area. Obviously, the one on the assist on the Cavada goal. The turn he made on that play was something else. Mm. A very clever play to let the ball roll past him. Mm-hmm. The only criticism I had of Lozano's performance, I guess you could say, was his finishing. He had four shot attempts, but none of them hit the target. Two missed the target, and two of them were blocked. And on the two were blocked, it seemed like he maybe took a little too many touches or he yep. a little too long on the ball to get the shot off. But for me, as long as he's creating chances like he that, did in this match, right. I don't need him to score often because it seems no. like Cavada and Osi are going to get plenty of goals anyways. I don't think we're ever going to get those kind of numbers from Lozano, but I think the more the more value that he brings is, like you said, kind of creating those chances with Osiman and, uh, and Cavada and really just kind of building that offensive forward attack and just really being our chance maker essentially so that's really kind of what i'm expecting from him this year and really hoping that he gets more time consistently to prove that especially as the season goes on you know i'm never unhappy when a player scores but you know i was a little bit like oh no when politano came on and then nearly scores immediately after he comes on and then scores a few minutes later and it's like (laughs) Right. And Why I, do we always have this problem? Right. I know. I know. I know. I had to laugh a little because it's just, it's typical. So, I mean, and, good problem to have, especially the right. one key difference this year, especially is that playing in, and I've mentioned this before, but playing in the Champions League mm-hmm. as opposed to playing in the Europa League is huge because yeah. now you, you, what you want is a 1A and a 1B at every position. Right. And we do have quite a few of those. I mean, Lozano Politano, Mario Rui Oliveira, yep. maybe Simeone, Osimen. There's there's a lot of positions where we do have starting quality players two levels deep. Right. Whereas in the Europa League, we were playing what was effectively our B team. So mm-hmm. I, I think maybe yep. that'll provide a little bit more happiness uh, in the locker room. Let's talk about Osiman a little bit. He scored a goal and added an assist. And perhaps most importantly, he did not get a red card. How did you feel about his performance? Really excited about Victor. I thought he kind of really made a statement on on that goal and kind of really, I thought that play, that setup, the setup of his goal, I thought was another example of kind of how versatile we can be in the front, especially with Di Lorenzo kind of coming into that 
off of that corner attack. I thought that's really another example of that cohesiveness that we kind of really haven't seen so much from our corner play, but I thought it was another excellent example of Victor just taking that chance and using his talent to bring that home. And it takes kind of a special presence up front to kind of get the type of goal that he had. A quick deflective pass right up front there. It's not not easy at all. So it's uh, he, he definitely showed his level of unique ability in that moment. And going over to the Verona Ultras afterwards, I thought was kind of, again, making that statement of you can make all the racist jeers you want, but he'll still score most times. So <laughs> exactly, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, and he did a nice little dance with Angisa there before right. that as well. Right. Going back to the fullbacks attacking, Di Lorenzo gets the assist on that goal. He was involved. He played the pass before the pass on the Politano goal. So again, yeah, fullbacks are more attacking players, especially Di Lorenzo for us. Lester's mm-hmm. still Mario Rui, which is, I think, why a lot of people want to see what Oliveira has to offer. Sure. The goal was a typical poacher's goal. He, you know, he has that long reach, so yeah, those legs. he was yep. able to get to that ball. Mm-hmm. I was really happy to see that we didn't just constantly launch the ball forward to Osimhen. I feel like last season, as the season wore on, we became more and more dependent on the long ball to Victor, and it mm-hmm. became very predictable. Sure. We didn't do a whole lot of that in this match, and maybe it was because Verona was basically giving us our half of the field. And when we did play the long ball, it was usually from Alex Medet if he didn't have a short pass, which is totally fine. So that was good to see. And then one thing that was a little surprising to me was how much Osiman was involved as a playmaker. We saw him play with his back to the goal for a lot of this match. And he played a perfectly weighted diagonal pass to Lozano in the first half, about midway through the first half. And it was a bit of a difficult angle to shoot from, and he missed the far coast. And then on the assist, again, the assist to the Politano goal, Again, he's playing with his back to the goal, and he has a surprisingly delicate touch for a player with his physique. It's not something you would expect as, you know, as a defender, but we've seen him play the occasional back heel or gentle touch, and it worked on that play. The last thing I'll say about Victor is that I was really glad that we had a comfortable lead because... I was expecting him to have to play the full 90 minutes of this match with, you know, Ambrosino is either nursing an injury or he's on the verge of a transfer because like Fabian, he only trained in the gym and that's why he wasn't on the squad list. I'm fairly confident that a condition of the Simeone deal was that he was not allowed to play against Hellas Verona in this match. So we didn't really have a backup striker. And obviously there's the whole Giacomo Raspadori situation that's going to go on until next summer, it seems. Right. So there wasn't really another option in the attack, but with a two goal lead, three goal lead, then you can put a guy like Adam Munas at striker. It doesn't really matter. So that was good to see as well. Mm -hmm. The last player I want to talk about is Piotr Zielinski. Sean, I thought he started this season much better than he ended the last one. Exactly, Joe. Very good point. He kind of showed that brilliance that we saw the first half of last year. They kind of tapered off second half of last season. But again, I thought that that goal was a testament to his ability at the top of his shot abilities at the top of the box for a really for someone like in his midfielder role is again something that is unique about our midfield play, I think. And especially if Going into the match, I, I was saying and we, we need a strong 
performance from Zielinski, especially given the fact that he kind of tapered off last year. I thought he needed to start this year strong, and he, I thought he kind of showed his abilities, what he kind of offers at that sort of top-of-the-box shot level, kind of creating those chances off of deflective play there. It's really, really unique and really shows his abilities when he's in his true form fully. Last season, he scored five goals through the first 14 matches, and then Mm -hmm. he had about a 20-game stretch where he just didn't score and even played himself out of the starting lineup. Now, he did get COVID for a second time during that period, and then there was that crazy incident where he was taken off because he was experiencing chest pain. So I don't know if there's any empirical evidence to suggest that he was affected more than others were by COVID, but that's what I'm inclined to believe. He did score in the final match of last season, so he's actually now scored in back-to-back matches. But aside from the goal, I mean, as you said, this was the best I've seen Zelensky play since that early part of last season. And to his credit, he's acknowledged numerous times that he was poor in the second half of last season, and he seems determined to prove to everyone that he's still a quality player. He seemed a lot quicker, a lot sharper in this match, shooting with both feet again. So hopefully we have the the old Zelensky back. I thought that, again, it was a good example of that sort of forward brilliance that we saw between Mario Rui, Cavada, kind of setting up that, those quick passes in succession. It was very reminiscent of a little, that free-flowing Napoli that we haven't seen in a little bit. It was, I thought, that one pass, I think it was Victor who had it in the, in the center of the field and then passed it over to... Rui got the deflection and then that quick pass to Cavara, who then he must have, he saw where, where Zelensky was going and knew right away where to put that ball. I thought that was really genius. And again, Zelensky kind of made that run, not from too deep, but it was pretty far. He started going, I would say, at the midfield line. And he was, you could tell from when Rui got the ball, from Rui to Cavara, he was off. Cavara probably had the ball for, less than a second before he passed it to Zelensky, who then let it get in front of him and just kind of buried it past Montipo. So it was really, really genius. Pretty much from the time that Osimhen passed the ball to Mario Rui, mm-hmm. Zelensky was running straight downfield. <laughs> like, yeah, and, he knew, he knew. Right, and I think that was another example of what we, you know, at least what I was hoping for, from him going into the match was him kind of getting that vision back that he had in the sense of creating those little offensive opportunities from those forward passes, whether it be from off of the wing or a deflective back pass forward. It really kind of, he showed that brilliance that was kind of lacking second half last year. So really pleased with him a hundred percent. I wonder if we're going to see more of that because I think that was something we did early in last season as well, where maybe even more so when Victor was hurt and Mertens was playing as sort of a false nine where Mm -hmm. one would drop and the other would step up. Like that was a typical Spalletti-Totti type of move, right? Right. And going back to the point about Victor dropping and playing with his back to the goal, I wonder if we're going to see more of that with Zielinski and Victor this season where Victor is a bit of a distraction and drops and he has great hold-up play and that opens up the space for Zielinski to make the run in behind. I think that's also a testament to Spalletti and his his tactics and his vision with creating those 
offensive baits for defensive backs to take, whether it be Victor faking a pass in or faking a movement like he did. um, It was like a Juke-esque move that he had, I think it was for for, Politano's goal. And like you said, turning his back to the goal and letting the ball kind of pass in front of him, that was really, really impressive and just a testament to Spalletti, I thought. Absolutely. Okay, that will do for part two. In part three, we'll talk very quickly about the goals we conceded. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to part three of the Fort Sinopoli podcast. If you like the show, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Fort Sinopoli pod. It's entirely voluntary. There are no set tiers, but it does help us to put out more content, including on our website at fortsanapolipress.com. Okay, so for all that we did well in this match, there were also some things that we didn't do so well, namely the two goals that we conceded. Kevin Lasagna opened the scoring just before the half hour mark. Sean, I don't think this play was terribly complicated to break down. You kind of already did earlier. No, again, it was the classic Ilchich taking the corner, kind of setting up the header to Gunter. Quick deflection to Lasagna, who was, um, love Mario Rui, but he, it's clear he left, Lasagna was left wide open there. And a quick deflection from Gunter to Lasagna was going in no matter what. That was definitely no fault of Meret there. That was just, you cannot leave Lasagna open with that much space in the box off of a corner and it was just i was like oh here we go our corner defending is in mid-season form already <laughs> yeah and, and even lasagna is not going to miss from that close no if we want to give mario Rui the benefit of the doubt i suppose we can say that maybe he was pushing up to try to catch lasagna offside and di lorenzo and osiman played it, him on but it, right and it did for a split second at least to me I thought Gunter was going to take the header there off of the Ilicic corner. I was not expecting that quick pass to Lasagna, but Gunter must have recognized that. Yeah, and I think we can also maybe put a little bit of the blame on Zelinski because that corner kick happened after Zelinski tried to play a risky backheel pass in our own half. He gave it away. Martin Hongla got a decent shot off him, and that made the save, but that led to the corner kick, which then led to the goal you mentioned mm-hmm. you can't blame Meret. some people still did blame Meret, and they were saying he needs to be more commanding of his area and things like this i'm just gonna go ahead and say it that's a ridiculous take i'm not terribly confident in Meret either i think navas or keppa would be massive upgrades but if you're blaming Meret for this goal then you have an agenda. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't think of any other reason why you would blame Meret. It, it was just one of those it was a corner play that we poorly defended. It was just no no lack of effort from from keeper there. So I totally agree. You might blame Medet for the second goal, but you could probably blame our entire back line for that one. It seemed to me like his line of sight there might have been a little not 100%. I don't know whether that could have played a part of it, whether it was 
Kim, I don't know if Kim was like right in front or whether that was Ramani was too close, but it was a very compressed front there with off of that pass from Faraoni. It was kind of like a semi-corner kick, but it wasn't a corner, kind of the positioning that he was. I could see why people would be upset with Meret there, definitely, but I think it was just a matter of, like you said, poor positioning from our back line and where, especially given given the trajectory of that Faraoni pass, it, the positioning of Kim, maybe he could have been a little closer in, I don't, I'm not sure, to Henri, but I thought he... Maybe a little bit of a keeper error there, but again, I don't think you could blame Meretz fully. For me, this goal comes down to the fact that we have a new center back, and I'm not saying I'm blaming right. him, but right. he's still developing chemistry with Rachmani, with Mario Rui, and that's something that'll improve over time. Mm-hmm. It was similar to the goal that we conceded to Espanyol in the preseason where the forward made the run in between the two center backs, and mm-hmm. The center back that was in behind, which I think was Rachmani in this case, mm-hmm. thinks that the other center back is going to pick up the run. And then right. the center back in front, which was Kim on this play, has no idea that there's a player making a run behind him. So to me, that's just a breakdown in communication. And Rachmani in this case had to be the one to either attack that ball or to communicate to Kim that there's a player making a run in behind him. We should also give... Faraoni and Henri credit on this play. I think Faraoni did really well. First to dribble past Cavada, and then the cross was perfect. Mm-hmm. He put it yeah. right on Henri's head. Kim is a big boy, and for, so to get right. that ball over Kim, but yeah, then nah. back down for the header. I think special, special mentioning to Henri almost taking lasagna <laughs> out for the season on that celebration there. Yeah. I thought that was very Verona deserving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you beat me to it. I was going to say not only did he place his header perfectly into the top corner, he also placed his elbow perfectly into the face of lasagna, <laughs> which uh, thankfully he was able to play on because in all seriousness, you don't want to see players that uh, take shots to the head. But no. yeah, it is a little bit sweeter when it happens uh, to Hellas Verona players. Okay, one last thing that I want to talk about is the tributes to former Verona and Napoli goalkeeper Claudio Garella. Sean, what did you think about that? I thought it was very... Very nice, very touching at the beginning. I, th- I thought it was weird. I To me, there were some Verona fans who were jeering. I don't know if that was, and I, th- I could have swore I heard a Juve Merida somewhere in there, but I don't know if that was just fan excitement or Verona being Verona. Or I, I just thought that it struck me as a little odd. It actually took like a few more seconds for the crowd to fully quiet down, which I thought was a little actually very disrespectful. So that was a little, the only thing that struck me about that, that was a little like got my flags raised there. I was like, what's with the jeers? That was a little weird. I almost thought like maybe they didn't realize at first that they were even doing a moment of silence because it was very odd that it was not a very silent moment of silence, Right, but they did it seem to eventually get the message both teams wore black armbands. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite tribute was probably the red goalkeeper shirt that Lorenzo people wore, which was mm-hmm. an homage to Garella's famous red shirt. And I was happy to see that at least momentarily the two rival clubs united, at least on, on this point. Yeah. Unfortunately, the peace between the clubs 
and their fans didn't last that long. We learned from the sports judge on Tuesday that a portion of the Hellas Verona Curva Sud would be investigated for racist chants directed towards Victor Osimhen. It's sadly not the first time Hellas Verona fans have done that to him, which is why he celebrated the goal the way he did. And Hellas Verona were fined 12,000 euros for chants that involved territorial discrimination. We've talked about this at length on the pod, so I won't belabor the point, but suffice to say, such a low fine that is paid by the club is going to make absolutely no difference at all. It really, um, Serie A is, you know, like along with all of us, it's my passion. It's my favorite league. I will defend this league to anyone, but it really sickens me and, and disgusts me that Lega cannot take a stronger stance towards ultras who take such a disgusting stance towards towards the game and towards players of you know towards African players. It's really really sickening, and I, I wish Lega would do more to stamp it out. Whether that was you know, ban fans from the Bentegodi or, or, or shut the doors on it for the rest of the season or deduct points from Verona. But we all know that that's never going to happen. But so it's, unfortunately, it's it's a problem that our league has and it, it can only be addressed if we keep talking about it and we keep, you know, don't sweep it under the rug or don't let players feel that they're not supported when they have to undergo such vile instances such as Victor has gone through multiple times now at the Bintagodi and, and, and Koulibaly before. So it's really, really is uh, vile and, and makes me really sad, especially in our league that we love so much. That's really well said. And I mean, it says a lot when these things are going on and the whole campaign this weekend and the opening round of the season was how piracy is killing Serie I think that really gives you a sense of how they're focused on the wrong things in the league. It's really, um, it, you know, it all, it, like they say, it's, it, it all, it's, isoldi totale. So it's really, it's just, it's a shame. It really is. Yeah. Not that I want to end it on a somber <laughs> note like that, but that, that is where we're going to leave it. Sean, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? We just want to say thanks again, Joe. Really, really, really excited um, for the season ahead. And everybody keep an eye on our DC Partena page on Twitter. We have a couple of meets coming up on the 31st against Lecce and on the 3rd against Lazio. So uh, DC Partena on Twitter. Uh, Sean C. Sull on Twitter as well. DM me any, any questions. We have a new spot to watch our matches from. So everybody's welcome and really excited for the campaign ahead. Thanks again, Joe. Always a good time. Always a pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love having you on. And it's great to see the club growing, not just in DC. I mean, we're seeing. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Even the even the, the tri-state guys yeah. at, uh, at Danny's place, that was really great to see everybody gather and, and just, uh, you know, the passion for our club and the growth and what we all share and what we want to spread to others. It's really, really special. So really excited for the year ahead. Absolutely. And hopefully, I mean, the you know, the guys, Carm and Sedano, do a fantastic job with the Napoli Club Toronto. So hopefully oh, yeah. one day we can bring all these clubs together. Yes, for that is my, meet up. that's my ultimate dream with yeah. when I started uh, DC Partenope was for us to all come together and just spread love of Napoli and share our club with everyone. Beautiful. So like you said, you can find Sean on Twitter at Sean C. Saul and you can find the Napoli Club DC at DC Partenope. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Forza Napoli Pod. 
I will be back later in the week to preview our home opener against Monza. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.